I want to invite you to t- tonight to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 for just a few moments. And I'll just point out to you this evening that is, uh, the service tonight is a family service, so we do have a lot of children in the service. It's unlikely that they will be quiet, and that's fine. Uh, we just wanted everyone to be in the service together tonight and, t- and tomorrow, so uh, parents, you can do what you need to with your children if they start getting too disruptive and you want to step out, that's fine. We have the training room over here and out in the foyer you can hear the sound as well, but don't be too self-conscious about that because we know the kids aren't going to be that quiet this evening. Matthew chapter 1, I'd like to speak to you for just a few minutes this evening about the birth of Jesus. You know, we all have a birth story. Obviously, you probably don't remember your birth story personally, But maybe your parents told you something about the circumstances surrounding your birth and some of the unique things that happened. I was born on a Sunday morning, and my dad was a pastor, and he was preaching the service while my mom was at the hospital delivering me, and I think as the story went, he did barely make it there in time uh, to be present for the birth, or at least I think in those days out in the hallway for the birth. I don't even think they allowed dads to be in the delivering room then. There were some other details of my birth. I won't bore you with all those things that I've been told through the years. My grandpa was there, and he tells me that I was a miracle baby, that something was wrong with the umbilical cord, was tied in a knot or something like that, and didn't tighten until I actually was completely born, and so the doctor was able to deal with that. So he tells me that I was an answer to prayer and a miracle. Um, You know, every birth is a miracle, isn't it? You know, surrounding the birth of Jesus, there's an incredible story. And it's not all just a nice circumstance. I think sometimes when we think about Christmas, we think about wonderful, good vibes, and all this nice story, but we forget that there was a lot of troubling circumstance that was surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus is an event of primary significance from the viewpoint of biblical history. But how did the birth of Christ come about? And more importantly, or along with that tonight, what can we learn from this event? That occurred as Christ was born, especially as we think about our own lives. Matthew chapter 1, look with me at verse number 18. The scripture says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, And not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now here in Matthew chapter 1, and also in Luke chapter 2, we have the gospel accounts, the two gospel accounts, which tell us about some of the details of the birth of Jesus Christ. This particular account in the gospel of Matthew is highlighting the dream that came to Joseph reassuring him. Luke chapter 2, of course, gives us some of the details about the shepherds and some about how God dealt with Mary before the birth of Jesus Christ. And we'll look at Luke chapter 2 in the morning, but tonight we want to think about Matthew chapter 1, and we want to think about the details about the birth of Jesus Christ. And we notice that the birth of Jesus is really set in the context of a troubling circumstance. Now, it may not be as apparent to you and I as it would be to a first century Jewish reader of Matthew chapter 1. But you must understand that when the Bible says that Mary, who was a spouse to Joseph, was found with child of the Holy Ghost, this was a scandalous circumstance. This was something that would have caused a a lot of agitation in the small town where they lived. This was not something that would have normally happened. It was a complete surprise and an unexpected turn of events for Joseph and I would say even for Mary. This was not something that was expected. Such things, while maybe more common today, were relatively rare in small-town Israel and would have caused a great deal of interest and criticism in the town where they lived. And so the Bible says that Mary was found with child, and we can understand Joseph's response in verse 19. It tells us that he was a just man, and he was not willing to make her a public example. And because of that, he was minded to put her away privily or privately. Now, so you understand what is happening here, Joseph has just found out that his espoused wife, the woman that he is about to marry and build a life and family with, is she's pregnant. She's going to have a baby. And Joseph says, I know I'm not the father of this child. This is not my child. And And he must have been troubled by the news that he heard. But the Bible tells us that because he was such a just man, he wanted to be careful about how he handled Mary, even though at this point he was hurting, thinking that she had betrayed him and been unfaithful to him. Now, when the Bible says that Joseph was a just man, what it means is that he was a man who highly regarded the law of God. He was a man who esteemed God's principles for life, and he wanted to walk in a way that was pleasing to God. He was a man who was known for living a blameless and virtuous life. In his town, everybody knew that Joseph was a man who loved God. He was a hard worker. He was a man with good character. He was not a man with pretend righteousness, 
He was a man who God valued as a just man. That says something about his impeccable character. He was a man who loved God. Now, we also know from Scripture that Joseph, in choosing a wife, chose a woman who was like himself. Mary also was a just person. She loved God. She was devoted to the worship of God. And so it must have come as quite a shock to Joseph that she was found with child. He couldn't even imagine, why would she be unfaithful to me? How could this have even taken place? He had no inkling that this kind of betrayal could have happened in their relationship. But even though he must have been deeply hurt by her perceived unfaithfulness, do you notice in the text that Joseph's emphasis and his primary concern is he wants to be careful to put her away privately. He needs to deal with this situation And certainly, he must have been very upset by it, but he loved Mary too much to make a public spectacle of her. Doesn't this tell us something about the character of this man? It says he was minded to put her away privily. And just for a moment, some of you men, put yourself in Joseph's shoes and think about how this must have affected him. How his mind must have been spinning. Because the Bible says in verse 20, while he thought on these things. He was sitting in his house, probably couldn't sleep, thinking about what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? How could such a thing happen to us? I don't understand how this could have even taken place. Now, it's interesting that While he thought on these things, God is going to answer some questions for him. Before we move on to how God answered those questions, let's answer the question, what is espousal? Because the text here says that she was his espoused wife, and you may be curious about what exactly that means. For us, this would look a lot like being engaged to be married, except it was much more serious. In, in the Jewish culture, when a young couple was preparing for marriage and they were committed to one another, that they were going to get married, this was not something that could be easily broken. In fact, in that culture and that society, it required divorce in order to end the espousal arrangement. And that would only be permitted in cases of some sort of unfaithfulness like what is being described here, or at least what is being thought has taken place in this relationship. So when it says that Joseph is thinking about putting her away, it means he's actually thinking about ending the relationship and divorcing her and not following through on the rest of the contract or the covenant which they have entered into that they are going to be married. So in every way, except for having a physical relationship, Joseph and Mary are viewed as a married couple. They don't yet live in the same house, but in many ways, society is viewing them as a married couple, and now this has happened. And so this is the troubling circumstance of the birth of Christ. But then notice with me in verse 20 
that there is a supernatural reassurance. Because as Joseph is thinking about these things, and you can imagine the turmoil of his mind and how he's trying to figure out now, what am I going to do? How am I going to solve this problem? How am I going to, to figure out all of this? He doesn't want to hurt Mary, but at the same time, he's very hurt himself. He's thinking about all of this, and the thoughts are just spinning through his head. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Now, on top of all the things that he's thinking, it's going to get even more interesting. And so this angel appears to him in his dream and speaks to him and says, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So the angel comes and the message of the angel is, Joseph, fear not. Fear not. Now, he was fearing. That's why the angel said, fear not. Because at this point, he is afraid about what is happening to his life. You say, now, what would he be afraid of? Well, perhaps he was afraid of the unfaithfulness of Mary. Maybe he was thinking at this moment, I'm afraid she doesn't love me. I'm afraid that she's got someone else that she loves. And that certainly might have caused him fear because we know that he loved her very deeply. He also might have been afraid that his reputation was going to be damaged. You understand that this kind of scandal was going to spread all around. Everyone was going to talk about what had happened. Everybody was going to assume that that baby belonged to him, no matter what he said. In fact... The only way to do any sort of damage control for his reputation was to follow through with putting Mary away and severing that relationship so that he could say publicly to everyone, I am not the father of this child. So he's afraid. He's afraid if he marries her, then this is going to damage his reputation, which in fact is what would happen. He also might assume or be afraid of assuming the burden of raising a child that is not his own. Joseph is not a wealthy man. This becomes apparent in the balance of Scripture. Joseph is a hard-working guy who has a business, but he's realizing, hey, I'm going to have to raise a child that isn't even my child. And he's fearing. He's thinking, I think it would be best for me not to carry through with this, not to be married to her. But the angel came to him and said, Joseph, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Why? For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now what the angel is saying to Joseph is that the birth of Jesus is completely different than the birth of any other person who's ever been born in the world before. This is a miraculous conception and a miraculous conception birth. What Joseph is hearing is that what is happening in his life right now, this upheaval, this this chaos that's taking place in his family and in his own personal life, all of this is actually the work of God. Now, I want you to think with me for just a moment about that, because it can be very difficult for us to understand that sometimes the most 
tumultuous circumstances that we face in our life are actually the work of God. And God is doing something very special through that. Often situations that you and I assume to be catastrophic and destructive to our lives are actually God fulfilling His will and carrying out His plan in us and in the world around us. There's lots of examples of this in the Scripture, how God is able to take catastrophic events and use them to bring about His purpose. Lots of illustrations. This is a wonderful example of this. And by the way, the Bible still does say that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, Joseph's reputation was on the line, but it's obvious that the angel who is speaking on behalf of God is expecting him to put his reputation aside and go ahead and take Mary as his wife and raise this child as his own. Because you do understand, and I want to emphasize this again, That the moment he says nothing and carries through with his covenant of marriage with her, everyone immediately assumes, oh, we see what happened. Joseph and Mary were anxious and they couldn't wait. And that child actually is Joseph's. And that is exactly what everybody was going to say about Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Later, when Jesus became a man and had a ministry, his reputation would be affected because people would talk about him in this way. So there's a supernatural reassurance. Joseph was going to need that because the decision that he was about to make to take her as his wife and follow through on his covenant of marriage was going to cost him everything. It was going to cost him his reputation I propose to you tonight that it was going to cost him his business. He was going to be looked down on in that society. He was never going to be viewed the same way. And yet God was up to something. And while the angel is speaking to Joseph and reassuring him, the angel expresses and reveals the glorious purpose of God. In verse 21, the angel said to Joseph that she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now this child that Mary is going to give birth to is none other than the Messiah, the one who has been predicted that he would come. Mary is expecting this child by the power of God. This is not a natural conception and a natural birth. This is a supernatural, this is a miracle And and the reason that the, the angel is emphasizing this is because the purpose of this child is so glorious. Because the angel says to Joseph, when this child is grown, this child is going to save his people from their sins. So now think with me for just about a a moment about the glorious purpose of Jesus. And, And this is why his birth was so unique is because he came to save. And and I want you to notice here in the message of the angel that salvation is in a person. Salvation is in a person, and that person is Jesus. The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Jesus came 
for the purpose of saving people. The word save means to rescue or to pull out of danger. And what is the danger that man is in? What, how does he need to be saved or what does he need to be saved from? According to the text, according to the message of the angel, he shall save his people from their sins. And the word sin is a Bible word that means that we have missed the mark. We have uh, what the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've tried to achieve the standard that God has demanded and we have fallen woefully short. And this is why Jesus came. He came to save people who have missed the mark. You might be curious tonight, well, have I missed the mark? Yes, you have. The Bible answer is that every one of us has missed the mark. Every one of us has fallen short of God's holy demand. And the reason for that is because of our own rebellion against God and because we have willfully gone about to do what we want to do. I'm going to have my own way. I'm going to live my own life. And because of that, you and I need to be rescued. We need to be saved. You and I cannot rescue ourselves. We are greatly in need of a Savior. And only God could pull us out of the predicament which we find ourselves in. You see, He's going to save His people from their sins. Salvation is in a person, but also salvation is the result of fulfilled prophecy. In, in verse 22, the angel calls attention to the fact that there was a prophecy that was made. This particular prophecy, which is referred to in verse 22 and 23, is found in the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah lived several hundred years before the, the birth of Jesus Christ, and he predicted that there was going to be a virgin who is going to give birth to a child, and that child would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And what the angel is emphasizing to Joseph is that the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of all kinds of prophecy. And I want you to understand this is all prophecy that Joseph would have been familiar with. As a man who loved God and as a man who worshipped God, he was a man who was familiar with all of the prophecies about the Messiah. It was God's plan since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden to send a Savior to rescue man from our sins. And this, what we're reading about in Matthew chapter 1, is the moment in time when God sent His Son and God intersected with human history. God became a man and dwelt among us. This was a much-anticipated event But for Joseph, it was happening in a very unexpected way. And the angel said to Joseph, Joseph, fear not, because what is happening right now is God's word is being fulfilled. I just want to say this before I move on. A lot of times we as believers are thinking, okay, I'm looking forward to the second coming of Christ. I'm looking forward to the rapture. I'm looking forward to God bringing justice in this world. You might just... Hold on for a second and understand that some things might not be exactly the way that we expect them or the way that we think they're going to take place. 
We might have misunderstood some things from the Scripture. We know the New Testament people certainly misunderstood a lot of things from the Old Testament. So Joseph is hearing this from the angel. He's being reassured that salvation is the result of fulfilled prophecy. But third of all, we find in this passage the message of the angel that salvation comes from God's presence with man. He's called, in verse 23, Emmanuel, and then it's interpreted for us, that means God with us. And this is a phenomenal thought. The thought that God would become a man, He would come to be with man, and as a man coming to be with man, He would provide a way of salvation for men who have sinned against God. It's an incredible, incredible message and a glorious purpose. But real quickly, and then we'll be done, look at verse 24 and 25. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. You say, how did Joseph respond? Well, this is his faithful obedience. Because Joseph woke up and he had heard what the angel had to say. And I love this guy. I think I'm looking forward to meeting Joseph in heaven one day. Can you imagine how different the Christmas story would be if Joseph hadn't been willing to obey God? But he got up in the morning and he said, All right, I'm putting it all on the line and I'm going to do exactly what God wants me to do. Joseph was convinced that the angel had delivered this message to him from God and Joseph sacrificed everything to take Mary as his wife and raise Jesus to manhood. I'm not exaggerating this evening when I say that Joseph lost everything, and yet he gained so much more. Everything that he had imagined for his life just went right away when he obeyed God. He lost it all, but God gave him so much more. He did as the angel had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. So he was careful to preserve her purity and to care for her needs. And then when she gave birth to this child, he named that child, that son, Jesus, just like God had told him to do. Because he knew that this was a special child sent by God for man. Now, in case you're wondering, Mary did not remain a perpetual virgin. She and Joseph had several more children together in a natural way. God blessed their family. Those siblings of the Lord Jesus Christ are mentioned in the Gospels. But during this Time Joseph was careful because he knew that Jesus was a very special son that had been sent by God. The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. And indeed, Jehovah is salvation. And Jesus was sent so that God could save man who is estranged from him because of sin. Without the coming of Christ, there would be no salvation. When we look back on the occasion of Christ's birth, you say, why do we celebrate the coming of Christ? Because if Christ had not come, there would be no hope. 
there would be no salvation. There would be no forgiveness of sin. There would be, there would be no joy. There would be no reason tonight to celebrate. But because Christ came, no matter what our circumstances, we can rejoice because Christ came to save sinners. Now, just a couple of thoughts in conclusion tonight. Joseph demonstrated his faith in God and his willingness to surrender his life for the purpose of God to be carried out. And in this, he is a tremendous example to all of us. And as you contemplate the Christmas story tonight, I wonder if God isn't challenging you to lay your life down and give it to Him and trust Him to write your life story. So many times we're trying to write our own life story and asking God to sign off on it. Much better to give Him the pen and say... Lord, I take my hands off. I'm I'm willing to surrender it to you. I think that you've got a much better idea of what my life should be like. But there's a second thing as well. Because for some of us, the message of the gospel may not make much sense at all. You may be trying to make sense of what I'm talking about tonight. You may be convinced that you're not that bad of a sinner or that there's some other way of salvation that... Obeying the gospel, I mean, if I do that, that's going to turn my life upside down. I don't want to go that far. That seems to be too drastic. You might be thinking that tonight. But what about Joseph? You know, when it came right down to it, Joseph said, I would rather believe God. I would rather believe what God says, and I would rather accept the promise of God. I would rather obey God and do what God says than obey the thing that I feel like. Many people, in regards to the gospel, have feelings. They have thoughts about how they don't need Christ and how they can save themselves. And, hey, I'm not that bad of a person. But the Bible says the opposite of all those things. The Bible says that you are in need of a Savior. The Bible says that you are a sinner in need of God's judgment. The Bible says that you can't save yourself. The Bible says that Jesus is the only way of salvation. And my question for you tonight, which I hope you'll ponder as you leave this place, is what will you do with Jesus? I want to urge you tonight to obey the gospel and trust the plan of God. You say, now how do I obey the gospel? It's very simple. The Bible says, first of all, you need to repent of your sin and your efforts to save yourself. You will never believe on Christ while you're trying to keep your own life over here and do everything your way and show God that you don't really need to be saved or say to him, I'll take Jesus, but I'm going to keep my life. Now, it doesn't work that way. See, you're going to have to have an element of surrender before you'll be able to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're going to have to repent of your sin. And your effort to save yourself. But you're also going to need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, when we speak about him, he didn't just come to be born. He was born to die. Jesus, the Son of God, willingly went to the cross as a man. And he died on that cross, not for his own sins, but for your sins and my sins. He died as our substitute and as a sacrifice. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So not only must you turn from your sin and your self-effort, but you also must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way of salvation. He's much more than a baby in a manger. He came to save His people from their sins. This is truly the message of Christmas, is that God loved this world enough to send a Savior. And tonight, I'll tell you that I am really, really happy that He did. Gives us a reason to rejoice this evening that there is a Savior who has come to this world. There is a way of salvation. There is a means of forgiveness. And all of that is centered in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ.